you're in Jonah. Jonah, chapter 4. <clears throat> well, we heard the great revival. Julia read that. We were uh, refreshed on that great revival there. Uh, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was very angry, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning arose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did rise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for your mercies. I thank you for your merciful working with your, your prophet. We, uh, uh, we see it uh, all about, dear God, Jonah. Uh, confessed regarding your mercy, Father, and now we see it even in your dealings with him, his own writings, inspired writings about your dealings with him, Father, and it's, a, it's wonderful to see this, dear God. And I thank you that we can be in your house, Father. It's of your mercies we've been able to continue to meet and, and to enjoy uh, your blessed hand over us, even in, Lord, these difficult times. And Father, I thank you for the good services this morning and for, for, the, for the preaching and teaching of your word, for the moving of, the, of, of your spirit, uh, Lord, on our hearts. And, and Father, I ask tonight for the filling of your spirit uh, once again just to minister the word uh, to your flock, dear God. Uh, be with Sister Sandra in the nursery watching the children and fill her with your spirit there, dear God. And we thank you. Uh, for those also that are with us online here tonight, and and uh, and Lord, uh, once again, what we need is to to hear and understand Your Word, to receive it, and Lord, to uh, want to apply it to our hearts for our good and for Your glory, and uh, and also Father, for the sake of those around us, that we could be the witnesses to them, uh, dear God, that You'd want us to be. Father, we we pray, we ask these things in Jesus' name and for His glory. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Brother Charlie, would you grab me a glass of water, please? Thank you, sir. <clears throat> I appreciate that. <clears throat> Thank you, sir. 
All right, so we saw that wonderful, great, uh, great revival there. And we saw uh, Jonah's anger afterwards. It's obviously that Jonah's got some wrong things going on inside, and God is patiently working with him uh, and uh, working, to, working to help him. Um, and uh, we've seen God's you know, mercy uh, throughout, and, uh, uh, and we know that, uh, that God has been, uh, been very merciful. As a matter of fact, you know, Jonah, uh, according to uh, Reese's chronological Bible, his prophet, Jonah's prophecy in 2 Kings chapter 14 uh, took place before his uh, trip to Nineveh. So he'd already prophesied to, uh, to the nation of, uh, of, of Israel under, uh, under wicked King Jeroboam uh, that God was going to enlarge the borders of Israel, which God did. And uh, so God uh, had, had already shown uh, mercy to uh, someone who wasn't looking for it and, uh, and uh, not worthy of it. And uh, Jonah had the privilege of preaching that. Of course, he loves Israel. He loves his nation. Uh, but he wasn't so thrilled in, in going and preaching that same mercy uh, you know, at the thought of seeing Nineveh repent. And he mentions, and that's, this is what I was afraid of. This is what, you know. So there's obviously some things that, that God's working on his heart heart with there and uh and so he says in verse three there i beseech thee take my life from me it's better for me to die than to live and we understand that uh when we have been through the mill and when we are uh uh we are getting exhausted in our resources and our strength that we are prone to weakness you know, uh, I think the devil was kind of hoping that when he met Jesus after 40 days and 40 nights of, of fasting in the wilderness. Uh, he didn't come to the end of, those, uh, end of those days, hoping perhaps to take advantage of some weakness. However, in him, obviously, he found none. Uh, but uh, many times uh, we, see the, the, we see others in the Bible that we see we get a little weak and weary sometimes. When our flesh gets weary, then our spirit can get weary and and it can be a difficult thing. And Jonah's, Jonah has now gone through the whale trip. And uh, he's been through a lot. Uh, and he's, he's getting tired and weary. And uh, you know, he just had this prophecy for his nation, a great prophecy. Now he's got to prophesy and save a, you know, and, be, and be instrumental in saving a, you know, a, a wicked, cruel people. Which he wasn't, uh, he wasn't in his flesh all excited about that. But we see others. Used greatly of God. Remember Elijah when he uh, stood up and, and uh, for the Lord there, and uh, that contest on Mount Carmel against the prophets of Baal and such. And and remember after that great victory, uh, what did he do? He ran, and he uh, Jezebel gave him a threat. Well, you're going to be just like those prophets by tomorrow if I have my way. And of course, Elijah took off and you know collapsed under the juniper tree, uh, and uh, God took care of him, ministered to him, you know, and and, uh, and uh, eventually you know show, showed mercy on him. And the Bible says about Elijah, he went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die. Jonah wasn't the first, and uh, uh, Elijah did that. <clears throat> we think about what Job went through. Uh, he was allowed to be tested. Boy, the devil stepping in there. You know, we don't know that, Joan, that, that Job ever knew about that contest between God and the devil and how God was, uh, uh, was using that. Uh, well, uh, Job got to the place where he says in Job 7.15, So that my soul chooseth strangling and death rather than my life. 
So uh, it's not a first for believers to, uh, uh, to come to a place where they feel uh, that their life would want to be taken away from them. Of course, God gives grace, and God is going to give grace uh, to Jonah here too. Uh, we notice that the Lord's care uh, for his weary prophet here, uh, looking through this, uh, he, uh, he says in verse 4, uh, Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? Doest thou well uh, uh, to be angry? He wants to get him thinking here. Is it profitable for you? Is it helping you at all to be angry? And uh, uh, I mean, here the whole city has repented. You know, uh, hundreds of thousands, perhaps, of, uh, of people have repented. And uh, God is in heaven. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. But it pleased, displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Quite opposite, of, uh, of course, of the heart of God. Uh, Doest thou well to be angry? Uh, we think of James 1.20, The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And uh, God wants to get Jonah thinking about where he's at and, and what he's doing. <clears throat> so Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There made him a booth and sat under, in, in, under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. <clears throat> so he goes out uh, of the city. Remember, he walked in a day's journey, and, and uh, he goes out, and he, uh, he goes out on, on the east side of the city, uh, the scripture tells us. Now, Nineveh was buttressed, was buttressed on the west side by the Tigris River. Uh, so uh, Jonah wouldn't have been able to go out on the west side and get back, get a view back, an overview of the city without crossing the Tigris River. So he goes out on the east side and, 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 and plants him down someplace where he can perhaps see the city and, uh, and, and, and view the, what, what he hopes the fireworks. Surely, they're not, surely their repentance is fake. Uh, maybe there's still some hope, some hope there for him <laughs> in the way he was thinking. Maybe there'll still be a show to watch. You know, maybe they won't, uh, they won't hold to that, that repentance uh, that, uh, that they have, uh, ha have confessed. Uh, so he goes outside the city. Remember, he'd gone a day's journey into the city. Now, uh, he goes out of the city. We're not told exactly how much time passes there. Uh, he may have slept the night before he made a booth because he went into the city. Likely by the time he got out of the city, it's getting close to, to dark time now. And uh, he wants to see the city, so he might have went outside the city and slept the night before he even got to make, to make his booth. Uh, uh, he may have watched and slept more than one night. We don't know. We're not giving any, any, any time frame there up to this point yet. He goes outside the city to see what would happen. And he, uh, and he, is, uh, and he, and he builds a booth. We're not given any time frame as to uh, how, how long that was. Uh, let me pick it up in verse 6. Uh, and the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver uh, him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. Now this, so God prepares this gourd uh, to come up over Jonah's head. End of verse 10 tells us uh, a couple of details about this gourd's uh, uh, existence. <laughs> it says it, it came up in a night and perished in a night. So God prepares this gourd. It comes up in a night. Jonah goes out, whether it was a day uh, or two, we don't know, but, but, he spends, he's, but, but one night he's out there, God prepares this gourd, and it comes up in a night. And he wakes up in the morning, and here's this gourd going over his head. By the way, it happened in one night. Miracle. 
say, well, I got a problem with the miracle of the whale. You're going to have a lot of problems with Jonah then because he's got multiple miracles in here. And this was miraculous, this gourd coming up in the night. And, uh, and God prepared it for, uh, uh, for uh, Jonah. It has come up in the night. Uh, verse 7 says, uh, But God prepared a worm when the morning arose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it died. So Jonah came out. We're not given a time frame. He's starting to watch the city. He builds a booth. May have spent a night and a day, whatever. Well, he, uh, then uh, one night, God prepares a gourd in one night. Jonah wakes up the next day after God prepares that gourd. And, uh, and what does the Bible say that God, God does the next day after he prepared the gourd? Well, he says in verse 7, God prepared a worm when, when the morning arose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. So God now has another miracle. God prepares a worm uh, for this gourd that he's made uh, for Jonah. And, uh, and the Bible says it smote the gourd uh, that it withered. So the gourd comes up overnight, in the night. Jonah enjoys the shade of the gourd for a day. Uh, at least stays under stays under uh, another night uh, because the, the gourd comes up and he and he's thankful for it so he's obviously enjoying it during the day uh, and uh, and the next morning so there's a night he sleeps the night God prepares a worm smites the gourd and it withers now uh, since the gourd perishes over a night Jonah had to spend at least another day with the gourd okay. Uh, so how long did it take for the worm to smite the gourd uh, and for the gourd to wither before it perished over a night? We're not sure. God prepares a worm uh, and uh, it's working on the gourd. It's going to, what, what the worms do, uh, they're not friends of gourd, they eat, they eat them, okay? And, and this, this worm is going to smite this gourd. It's going to wither. How long did that take? We're not told. Uh, we're not told. It does eventually wither and when it does perish, it perishes over a night. Which night was that? Was that the next night? It doesn't tell us. Uh, uh, it doesn't tell us. We just know that the worm is prepared the next morning after God had prepared the gourd. Uh, and then the worm, uh, uh, what? Begins to eat the gourd, begins to smite the gourd. How long that took? We don't know. And when it does perish, it miraculously, miraculously perishes overnight. Overnight. And uh, so... Uh, yeah, you're going to have problems with, with, uh, with, uh, with Job if you don't believe in miracles, okay? Uh, and that God is indeed a miracle-working uh, God. So Jonah's out there, the, the city, is watching the city, and uh, apparently this gourd was a welcome addition to Jonah's booth. Now, a booth is, you know, something he'd make out of whatever uh, uh, plant life he can find out there, a desert brush or whatever was out there. Actually, it was a, kind of a fertile area there uh, by, the, by the Tigris River and such. He was probably able to get some plants and things and make kind of a, maybe kind of a booth there maybe to, to give himself some shade while he was watching it uh, for however long he was there watching the city. But uh, 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 he didn't believe they were going to stick to it. He didn't, he didn't love the Ninevites uh, like God did. Uh, God, you see, God, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, he wasn't just that way in the New Testament. He's always loved people. He's always had, always had, always had a plan for saving people, Gentiles included. Uh, uh, Israel uh, was always the choice of, of, of an earthly nation uh, for God to work through. Uh, they were never God's end. God's end was always worldwide salvation. That was what he was always uh, a a aiming towards. 
Uh, uh, so God, we see, shows mercy on his disgruntled prophet. Uh, Jonah's angry that, that all these people were saved and spared. Uh, apparently the living gourd, now the gourd, of course, would have had moisture in it, being a, being a living gourd, and, and uh, it apparently did a better job than uh, Jonah's makeshift booth. Uh, he was exceedingly thankful uh, for the gourd, would have con contained that moisture. Uh, uh, Jonah, it seems, uh, becomes a little attached to the gourd, uh, uh, emotionally <laughs> and uh, God's working a little compassionate and even, even if he has to use a gourd okay uh, but uh, he, uh, he had more affection for the gourd than he did people you know we see some people that way this way today there are some people that have more affection for animals than they do people uh, they, will, they, they will throw you in jail uh, if you if you uh, uh, you know uh, kill if you kill a baby seal, uh, but you can have an abortion, you know, and uh, and 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 they're they're fighting for that that you can have one any you know, time you want and for no, and for no reason at all. And uh, uh, boy, how skewed we can get, and uh, uh, what 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 a sad thing. Well, Jonah has compassion. By the way, animals aren't people, folks. <laughs> Uh, uh, by the way, you ought to treat animals well. You ought to, you ought to take good care of them. Uh, the righteous man careth for the life of his beast, the Bible says. You ought to take good care of him. And, uh, and yes, uh, yes, we love them in a sense a a as pets, but they're not people. And uh, if our love for them exceeds our love for people, then we have a displaced love. There's something wrong with it. That's called, that's called an unnatural affection. And uh, it's not the way God intended it. And, uh, uh, and Jonah, and by, and by the way, some people get the same way with their plants. You know, they talk to their plants, you know, and, uh, and they get all wrapped up in that. It's amazing what, uh, what, what uh, people can love, you know, so to speak. And uh, uh, Jonah has, uh, has, uh, has some feelings, apparently, for this gourd uh, that, that God is blessing him with uh, uh, temporarily here. Uh, verse 8. And it came to pass when the sun did rise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah and he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, it is better for me to die uh, than to live. Uh, so uh, God is going after Jonah again. <laughs> Remember I mentioned uh, last week he's having more problems with his one prophet than he did for, with a city you know, of 100,000 heathen. You know? And he's had more problem with this one prophet. And uh, he's going after him again. By the way, he went after him with a wind to begin with, didn't he? Jonah chapter 1, verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind, there it is, into the sea. Uh, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so the ship was like to be broken. My prophet's running from me. Go get him, wind. <laughs> you know, he's running from me on the outside. My prophet's running from me on the inside. Go get him, wind. Now he sends a vehement east wind. And, uh, and, uh, and that, of course, would be a wind coming out uh, of the east, uh, out of a more arid place, out of a different direction than the river. And, and, and this, this sun is beating down on his head, and the, and the gourd has, has died now, and, and such. And, uh, and so uh, uh, the Bible says that Jonah, he fainted, he wished in himself to die, and said, it's better for me to die than to live. And... Uh, and so here we have God asking the question here, uh, verse 9, God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? I do well to be angry, even unto death. And uh, 
the grace of God. Uh, it's interesting to note how God often lures us and teaches us with questions, with questions, uh, and uh, to get us to stop and think and examine ourselves. I think about Job as God allowed those trials upon him. And I was wondering why, why God seemed a little harder on Job uh, than he did Jonah. Uh, you know, the Bible says too much is given, much is required. Maybe, it, maybe it's because Jonah was a lot more spiritually strong uh, uh, than, I mean, uh, uh, Job was a lot more spiritually strong than Jonah. Uh, and so God was a little more harsh with him uh, in bringing him around. I'm not sure why. If you read uh, some of the questions that God poses to Job, you know, where were you when I did this? Where were you when I did that? Have you known this? He seems a little bit more harsh with, 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 with Job than he did Jonah. But God knows his children, doesn't he? And children need to be what? Dealt according to, train up, train up a child what? In the way that he shall go. God, that means learn your child. Uh, know what they need. Know what kind of discipline they need. God knows what kind of discipline his children need. God knows what Jonah needs. God knew what Job needed. And so he has that wisdom. But I think about, uh, about Job as he kind of began to despair. Yes, he was tired and weary. I, I'm glad I haven't had to go through anything like what Job has gone through. I'll tell you that. And most of us, you know, most of us can echo that. But I think about, about uh, finally when, uh, you know, when uh, Job's miserable comforters, his friends, you know, uh, ceased to comfort him for a while, thank goodness, you know, uh, that, uh, that God uh, uh, speaks to him. And God's going to bring him around and God uh, gives him, uh, begins questioning him as Job was somewhat with his speech questioning God. And uh, in Job chapter 38 uh, uh, through, through uh, 39, God asked Job 54 rhetorical questions. Boom, 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 machine gun fire. And 54 rhetorical questions. And Job at the end of that says, he answers and says, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay mine hand upon my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. And uh, God wasn't done yet. Uh, in chapters 40 through 41, God asked Job 20 more questions. 20 more questions. And, uh, and then in Job 42.1, Job answers and says, I know that thou canst do everything. And that no thought can be withholden from thee. Uh, who is he that hideth counsel without, without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not. Things too wonderful for me which I knew not. I should have realized that, that I just don't know what's going on. And uh, all this here. And, 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 and perhaps not have despaired about it so much. Uh, he says, Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Now that I have some more understanding than I had before. After all of these questions that you put me to, you've got me to thinking. You know, what was it, 60 some questions. Uh, he says, uh, uh, I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. I have more understanding. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. I think about God and questions. Uh, questions. Uh, remember uh, when, uh, uh, when uh, Peter was asked about paying taxes, 
and uh, they, asked, they asked him if, if Jesus' disciples paid taxes. And Jesus says to Peter in Matthew 17, 25, What thinkest thou, Simon, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute of their own children or of the strangers? He asked Peter a question, get thinking. You see, Christ is the, Christ is the king of the kingdom. And, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and of course, uh, uh, Israel as a nation is going to have a special place in that kingdom. And, uh, and that time will come. But Jesus said, but for now, lest we offend them, we're going to go ahead and pay them. Uh, uh, and so he teaches him kind of a lesson there. Uh, and, uh, and remember, the, uh, we, had a, we had a message, uh, frankly forgiven recently, about, uh, about Jesus at the, at the Pharisee's house and the woman that came in. And Jesus uh, uh, taught him some lessons there. He says, uh, he, he says about two that, uh, that had a, a creditor and one owed uh, a great sum of money, one owed very little. The Bible says when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Then he says, tell me which of them will love him most. He asks the question. He wants to get him thinking. And so he answers, and he begins the thinking process in there. We see that. Uh, and think about the questions that challenge us, get us to thinking. What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? There's two questions. But what do they do? They teach us volumes, don't they? They teach us volumes because we know the answers to them. And they begin to get it. They they get us thinking, uh, get you know, get uh, uh, us uh, meditating and, and looking at ourselves. What did he say to the Pharisees in Matthew twenty two forty two, uh, saying, "What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he?" They said to him, "The son of David." He said to them, "To them, how then doth David in spirit call him Lord?" Saying, he quotes the Psalm. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then called him Lord, how is he his son? Get some thinking. You see, the son does the the the, the father doesn't call the son Lord. That just that doesn't happen in the culture. Why does that happen uh, with the case of of David? If Christ is David's son, how does he call him Lord? Because Christ is also David's God. Amen. That's the only way that makes sense. Because Christ is Lord. And, and, and he wanted them to begin figuring that out. He was teaching them. The only, right, the only way the father would call the son Lord is if the son was greater. And by the way, in Jesus' case, he was. And, uh, and, he, and, he, and he is Lord. So he was teaching them uh, uh, those things. Uh, in John 13, 38, uh, Peter said uh, that he died for him. Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Here's the question. That's a big question, isn't it? Uh, and then Jesus had to give them the bad news. Verily, may I say unto thee, uh, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Think about that, Peter, because it's common. It's common. Uh, and, uh, and remember those, uh, uh, those questions upon the seashore when he rose again? Three times, lovest thou me, lovest thou me, lovest thou me. Just that, that whole barrage of, uh, uh, of questions. I think about when he was before Pilate. You know, are you a king? What did Jesus answer him? Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Do you believe I'm a king? Are you just repeating what you've heard? He's seeing where Pilate's at. He wants, he wants Pilate to, to, to consider where, he, where, is he, where he's at in his faith. 
you asking me this on your own or just repeating what others have, have told you? And uh, questions can be so, so powerful. Uh, if a trumpet given on a certain sound, who shall prepare himself to battle? 1 Corinthians 14.8. There's a good message. Live a clear life, amen? And, uh, uh, and uh, 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 be clear in, in, in who we stand to live for. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13.5, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? Question. <laughs> don't you know, if Christ is not in you, you're not God's. And uh, so examine yourself. You don't belong to God. So examine yourself. Make sure that Christ is living in you. And, uh, and by the way, the only way you, you become sure of that is you live a godly life. Because you can't live on without him. <laughs> and uh, so if you can live for God, then you know God's in you. And, uh, and that's, that's what gives you that. that, that how, that's, how you assure, that's how we assure our hearts for, for him, according to John, in 1 John. If we abide in him and walk with him, then we'll assure our hearts before God. <clears throat> so uh, time and again... Uh, uh, time and again I love this one Isaiah 53 8 he was taken from prison our Messiah and from judgment and who shall declare his generation question question that's where the Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch was reading in the Bible when Philip came up to him in his humiliation his judgment was taken away and who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth Jesus was crucified he, and he'd gone back to heaven. Who's going to tell about him? Who's going to tell about the life that he lived, what he did? And guess what? Philip picked, picked it up, didn't he? He picked up the baton, and he led that man to the Lord. And he declared his generation. And I want to be one that declares his generation when I get the chance and opportunity. And I want to be looking for those. I want to de declare his generation, what he did, who he is, and that he's coming back. Amen? And every one of us is to be one of those who declares his generation. Uh, and uh, you know who shall go for us you know uh, God said to Isaiah and what did Isaiah say here am I send me <laughs> there was another question put out there with such powerful uh, 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 answers and, 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 and meditations uh, so God asked, asked, uh, asked Jonah uh, that question doest thou well to be angry for the gourd I do well to be angry but then, as we read on, God, in faithfulness, tells Jonah how it is. Uh, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Jesus. Uh, they asked him a question. They asked him, "Tell us if you're the Messiah or not." I ask you a question. John's baptism was it was where was it was where was it from? Heaven or earth? Where, where was he from? Well, you know, we don't know. And they said that because they didn't listen to John. John was calling everybody to repentance uh, and because Messiah was coming. See, what they should have done was they should have got down in the river there like, like the harlots and public and others were doing. They should have got down in there as well and been baptized at John. That's what they should have done. But the thing they didn't do, they said, oh, well, we don't know. And, uh, and you know, Jesus went on to tell them John's baptism was from heaven. <laughs> and, uh, and you didn't listen to him. So first he asked them the question, but then he doesn't let them off the hook. He gives them the answer. <laughs> and he shows them where they're at. And so, gee, and so uh, God to Jonah here, he, he does the same thing. Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? <laughs> I do well to be angry, even unto death. Now, uh, uh, look, at the, look at the following in verse 10. God tells him how it is. Then said the Lord, 
God's working with Jonah. Thou hast had pity. Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. Jonah, I want you to look at your heart. Look what, be, be your own judge. God says, Jonah, you're, God says, Jonah, you're judging me, saying I shouldn't have had mercy on Nineveh. Look, look what you want to have mercy on. Look at yourself, Jonah. Look where you're at. Uh, what is he saying here? He says, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. You see, it was just a plant. It was just a gourd. Now, in the Bible, uh, it's not even considered a living thing. <laughs> the Bible doesn't consider uh, plants living things. Uh, it's, an, it's an inanimate thing. It's a food supply. And Jonah is burdened for it. He, he's having pity on, on this gourd. Now think about this. Now, God understands uh, husbandry. God made a garden. He put men in a garden. Uh, he put Adam and Eve in a garden to care for a garden, didn't he? God understands husbandry. And there's a connection there when you're a farmer. Uh, there's, a, there's a connection of the heart to, to the plants and such. And God knows that. Uh, uh, in Psalm 4 and verse 7, Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. Okay? Uh, Psalm 104, verse 13. Uh, God, he watereth the hills from his chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. He causeth the grass to grow for the cattle and herb for the service of man that he may bring forth food out of the earth and wine that maketh glad the heart of man and oil to make his face shine and bread which strengtheneth man's heart. The, husband, the, husband, the, 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 the husbandman's heart or the farmer's heart is in his work. It's in, it's in his plan. It's his life. Uh, he, he's, he's praying for the rain. He's put that crop down. He's going to feed his family with that. And uh, uh, he's going to maybe sell that. And uh, James uh, talks about that, that connection with the farmer. James 5, 7. Uh, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. And hath long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter rain. What's God saying there? I understand. There's a connection between a farmer and his crops. But Jonah, you didn't labor one lick for this plant. You got no sweat. You got no sweat equity in this thing at all. Okay, this thing I bought up by a miracle. You did nothing for it. Uh, I was uh, I was listening to. Uh, uh, not recently, but a while back, uh, J. Vernon McGee's commentary on this, and and uh, and and with uh, 
with, with the uh, uncertain length of days, he was kind of saying that he believed that Jonah got attached to the gourd uh, because he, he was taking care of the gourd. He said he probably went down to the river and dipped it in there and was watering it and letting it grow and all that. And as I was reading, I was thinking, that would take the punch out of what God said. Because God said he didn't, just, he didn't bestow any labor on it. It came up. God would have, if he'd had, if he'd had a husbandry like, like a farmer, God would understand that a heart's connection. If he had to put that labor in and had something and seen that thing grow, there'd be a connection there. But God said he had none of that involved. You didn't labor anything for it. And yet what? Yet you're having mercy on that? Mercy on that? Uh, and so God states the truth of the situation. Jonah has pity on a gourd an inanimate object that he didn't even labor for. Uh, God had labored to bring Nineveh to repentance. They repented, and should not God spare them? God has labored and invested in all souls. By the way, you know that Jesus Christ, the plan for him to be crucified was planned before the foundation of the world. We do know that. We do understand that. And we do understand that all those labors and all those plannings were for Nineveh too. Amen. God had gone through all that. He had already labored much that Nineveh would, would get a chance to repent. He had put much labor in it, uh, in the souls of men, as he has all. And he says, uh, and so, they, they, and they repented. And should not God spare them? Wow, it's amazing. Look at verse 11. Should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that can't discern between their right hand and their left, and also much cattle? And some believe, as I mentioned earlier, that's speaking perhaps of, of children. Jonah, what about the children? Care about them? Well, yet compassion for the gourd. How about the cows? <laughs> How about the sheep? Uh, how, how about them? But to me, the way God puts it out there, he puts it out so tenderly. Well, what about all these? What about this, Jonah? You've had pity on the, you've had pity on the gourd. And it's not, not, even, not even a really living thing. And uh, why, why so tender? I tell you what, my own personal opinion of why I think it's so tender. I think it's because Jonah. I think it's because Jonah was coming around. I think Jonah realized how ridiculous he was being, and I think God was giving him exactly what he needed in the measure that he needed. God was being kind and gentle with him, reasoning with him, and revealing to him his own what's the word for it? <laughs> Ridiculousness. His own lack of compassion. Look, Jonah, I made you that gourd, and then I took it away, and you showed your love for that gourd. You didn't even work for it. Is it okay, Jonah, if I love these people that I want to save? They repented. I've labored for them. I don't know about you, I picture Jonah breaking down <laughs> and saying, oh, no, You're right, God. You're right, God. I don't know. I mean, maybe he went back down and talked to some people in the city and, and said, said, praise God, I'm glad you... I don't know what he did. 
But I think that God must have dealt with him that way because that's what he needed, and he was, he was ready to turn. <laughs> he was ready to turn. He was coming around. Aren't you glad that God's a merciful God? Amen. And uh, he puts up with us for so long, and he puts up with nations for so long. Uh, and uh, you know, account what that uh, that uh, that uh, that uh, the, the Christ's uh, long coming is 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 long suffering, and uh, the, his return. When's he going to come? He's going to come suddenly. But what's he want? He wants some more people to be saved. Amen. He wants some more Christians to get right. He wants he 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 wants some more to be ready for his coming. Saved, by, by the way, saved and lost alike. You know, there'll be saved people that aren't ready for the sudden return. <laughs> because why? They're, they're living for themselves. And, uh, and they'll be ashamed when they, uh, when they see him face to face for the first time. I don't want, I don't want that to be my first <laughs> face to face meeting with Christ. I, I don't think any of us do. And uh, we need to be prayerful uh, and, uh, and careful about that. And we can, we can take, uh, take comfort in God's, God's care for his prophet, doing just what he needed for Jonah. Why? Because he knows Jonah, and he knows me, and he knows you, and he knows what we need. Sometimes we may need something stern, uh, maybe like Job uh, did, it seemed. Sometimes uh, God's getting to us. We're realizing how ridiculous we've been, and it just takes a tender little push. <laughs> okay, now just confess it. Just get it right. You ever get, you know, get, get crossways with God and stick there a little while? I have. I'll, I'll just, be, just be honest with you. And then when God finally gets to you, your heart says, why did I? As God's working on it, it's like, why did I hang on to that thing so long? And you almost feel kind of, you know, kind, kind, kind of stupid as, 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 as God's loosening you up, you know, and, and just being so kind to you. And it's like, <laughs> I, I should have got that right yesterday, God. I'm sorry. Here I, here I went, went to bed overnight with that thing and, and, and sinned again you know, against you. And we realize that, huh? And God is just so patient, isn't he? Just so patient. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for your blessings and, and Lord, uh, for your goodness. And, and God, I thank you for, uh, for your call upon the prophet Jonah. You certainly were powerful in all that you did uh, in Jonah's life, in, in saving also these so many in this city and, and then needing to go after your prophet again who, whose heart wasn't quite right yet. And, and God, we thank you for your care and for your tenderness there, for the wisdom with which you held up the mirror of your word so Jonah could look at himself in it. And Father, I, 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 I'm convinced in my, in, in my thinking that Jonah saw himself when you got done. And Lord, that he repented. And I certainly hope that's the case. And, and Father, I pray for us, for each of us, that that would be our case for sure. That as you show us ourselves in your word, as we see our sins, that, that we confess them, God, and forsake them, get right with you and serve you uh, in a faithful, loving manner. And, and Father, uh, living... Uh, more by your grace and power and for your glory. And Father, just pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.